You're listening to episode number 39 of the Purpose Gathering Podcast. I am so excited to introduce you today to my friend Tessa Stuckey. She is a mom on a mission, a licensed professional counselor, mother to four boys, and first-time author, and she wants to share with us today about the struggles that our youth faces in our current culture. Through her work, she has become well-versed on depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts in young people, and she believes that suicidal ideation among children is on the rise. It has become a big cultural storm, a storm that we haven't prepared for. I'm so excited for her to open up our eyes to this idea of screen addiction, what it is doing to our young children, and some steps that we can take to help avoid this addiction, to help curb this addiction, and to help teach our children healthy boundaries surrounding technology. I can't wait for you to hear our conversation today. So if you're ready, let's jump right in. Hey mama, welcome back to the Purpose Gathering Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Freehan, and I'm here for all you mompreneurs out there feeling torn between raising a thriving family and building a business you love. I'm a photographer, community founder, podcaster, wife, and mama saved by grace. So I can totally relate to you multi-passionate mamas. Join me every week where I share with you the strategies and mindset shifts that you need to maximize your productivity and find peace in motherhood and business. That way you can have time for the things that really matter, like binging your favorite show and cookie dough. But seriously, are you ready to transform your life from feeling frazzled to focused and be equipped with the tools you need to juggle all the things? If so, you're in the right place. Hey mama, welcome back to the show. Real quick, before I introduce Tessa, I wanted to just quickly remind you about the Productivity with Purpose Masterclass happening next Monday, November 16th at 10.30 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. This workshop-style masterclass is packed with amazing tangible tips for you to learn how to time block your schedule to achieve maximum results with minimal time. So if you're interested in joining that masterclass, head to thepurposegathering.com slash productivity, and I can't wait to see you in there. Hey, Tessa. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here today, and I cannot wait to talk to you about this very scary, very real and important topic today regarding screen time. Yeah. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I was going to say, so before we really get started and really down into all of this, I just want you to please introduce yourself to the listeners, let them know who you are, who you live with, and what what's your mission? What do you do? Sure. So my name is Tessa Stuckey, and I'm a licensed professional counselor outside of the Houston area. And I mostly work with teenagers, but um, in the last few years, I've embarked working mostly, or I should say more with parents and parenting in today's world. And I recently had my book published called For the Sake of Our Youth. And it, it, it basically talks about how life has changed as far as our culture and how it's affecting our kids from when we were their age and what parents need to understand so that they can protect their kids and help 
build strong, resilient individuals in today's world. And so much has changed since we were teenagers and kids ourselves that it's hard to navigate that. I mean, parenting is hard anyway, right? So um, it's hard to navigate that since we didn't grow up in that way. And because I sit with teenagers on a daily basis, I'm, I'm in tuned with what's going on. And um, so, yeah. And you asked who I live with. I have, I'm married to my husband, Joseph, and we have four boys. Um, they're nine, seven, and then twin five-year-olds. And we have, um, we have a dog and two cats. That's awesome. So I'm really excited to kind of get your perspective on these things because I think I am like most of my listeners where um, my kids are a little bit younger. And so I'm kind of a little naive to the fact of, you know, what's going on in today's society as in regards to teenagers, but also more so of like, you know, what are the impacts that this is having on our little ones? even still today. So I just really want you to first explain to our listeners, what is this idea of screen addiction and how do we start to recognize it? And then what are some of the dangers associated with it? Yeah. So I think that a lot of times when I tell people that I work with teenagers, they kind of walk away because they think that what I have, the information that I have to offer won't apply to them because they have little ones that are not teenagers yet. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is I started my work and my research because I have little ones and I started about five years ago researching this stuff. So my oldest was about four years old. And, um, so I am very passionate about parents of young kids kind of becoming aware of this stuff early, early on, because the preventative care starts from the get go. So screen addiction is when, it's, it's the same thing as gambling. Um, it does the same thing to our brain as if um, we were taking cocaine, which is so scary to hear about. Um, but it's very true. And we're handing over our kids these tablets and these phones so that they can play games and get entertained and stay quiet for a little bit. And I completely understand our desire to do that. Um, but in in return to their brains, it's creating this horrible, horrible addiction that starts so young. And what happens is it's become this quick fix for them when they need to cope with anything. So say, you know, I use this example in my book, you have had a long day as a mom and, you know, your husband comes home and says, let's go get dinner. And you're just like, yes, So you go out to dinner and sure enough, you know, your one-year-old or however old starts to fuss within five minutes of sitting down. And it's just so easy to get out your phone, put on some Mickey Mouse and hand it over because you know that your child will calm down and be quiet and not embarrass you at the restaurant and you get to enjoy your meal. But what's actually happening that's the negative part of that is a couple of things. One is that you're not actually addressing what's wrong with your child. You know, maybe they've got a poopy diaper or maybe their foot is stuck in the high chair or maybe they're actually really hungry. Um, But you're also depriving your child from learning how to self-soothe and how to cope. And that starts at that young of age. And I know it's hard to believe that, but it's very true. So that when they get a little bit older, they start to rely more and more on the screen 
to help cope and get through any hard issues. And then when they hit those teenage years and those wonderful hormones kick in and they're experiencing some very intense emotions for the first time, they don't know how to cope with that. And so they, they want an immediate fix. And unfortunately, there is no immediate fix for emotional distress. And so it's our job as parents to kind of start them off at a young age, teaching them how to struggle through something that might be hard, including sitting at the table at a restaurant um, and not leaning too much on the screen. Wow. That is definitely something that I have fallen into. Yeah, sure. and I did. I did too until I started seeing all these teenagers and all of these teenagers were experiencing really, really dark thoughts and they didn't fit into the typical category or um, they didn't have some of the root traditional root causes for having those dark thoughts. They weren't experiencing trauma or abuse or substance abuse or anything that would normally you know, be a red flag of, oh no, you, you really do have these dark thoughts. And so they, you know, the more and more they came to me with these thoughts, I just got so confused and perplexed. And I remember sitting there and saying, is it because you just want a quick fix? And it was crazy because it was like a light bulb went off and they were, they were like, yes, that's exactly what it is. Like my phone is my only coping skill. It distracts me and it's a quick fix, but then it doesn't actually take care of my problems. So then I think about some dark things and heavy stuff. And I think that that will take care of my problems. And so as a mom of little ones, I thought, oh my gosh, like I cannot raise my kids with this habit starting at a young age. So I took the screens away really, really quick after that. And it was hard. I'm not going to lie. It's a struggle because even if you have a two-year-old or a three-year-old, they have already grown to lean on it and have, um, what's the word? It's become their habit, their thing. And um, so there is a little transition phase of helping them adjust to life without your phone when you go out to eat or when you're somewhere in public or even at home when you just need a minute to clear your head. Um, but, but once you get past that transition phase, it is so much, so much better for our kids to not have that screen with them all the time. That is so interesting and really impactful. But I wanted to ask you just to clarify. So are you, when we are talking here today about screen addiction, Mm -hmm. are you just talking about phones and tablets or are you also talking about like television screens and like watching TV and video games and things like that? Yeah. So that's a really good question because a lot of people do kind of either put them all together or they're like, well, the TV's fine. And so we just won't be on the phone. Um, So the way that our brain reacts to something like TV, which is what we call passive technology, is is more okay. Is it the healthiest thing for our kids? No. Um, even the educational stuff? No, because it's not interactive and um, they can kind of get glued to it and sit and watch for a little bit too long. But video games, games on the phone, um, and even, it, well, anything on a tablet or phone because of the blue light behind it, 
is really, really bad for our brains and for our kids' brains. There's, I recently just heard of a study of um, scientists who found that literally the size of our child's developed brain, like once it's finally developed, which it takes until they're 25 to 28 years old. So it's a, it's a long developmental um, phase. But once it's finally developed, those who were addicted to video games um, literally had a smaller size brain. And so that's really telling too. Um, another thing with, you know, social media and our phones and tablets and stuff like that is you're getting this huge rush of dopamine. And this is with video games as well. You're getting a huge rush of dopamine, which is why I compare it to gambling and cocaine use. Um, and dopamine is, is a feel-good chemical in our brain. And we get that naturally, but we also get it unnaturally. And it's just like a big like drop of dopamine in our brain. And um, the problem with that is we're not getting oxytocin. And oxytocin is the chemical that also feels good in our brain. It, and that's when we connect with somebody. So what we're seeing now is younger generations are experiencing heightened loneliness, even though they've been snapping with their friends all day, or they've, you know, connected with friends through video games, but they are so lonely. And it's because they're not getting the true chemical release in their brain of connection. Wow, that makes total sense. Yeah. So now what are some of the dangers that you see associated with it? Because I think like some moms might be listening right now and they'll be like, yeah, I understand. Like, it's probably not the best, but it's really the only way that I have time to work. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I know like a lot of moms right now, they already feel guilty for this, but right. maybe you can just shed some light on really why it's so important. Like, what are some of those scary dangers that you are seeing in your own office every day? Um, well, I just want to make sure, are you okay with me talking about suicide? Yes. Okay. Um, so it, yeah, again, this is what got my attention the most was I would sit with my clients and they, you know, were teenagers or 13 year olds and they had grown up with some sort of screen given to them since they were little. And they were thinking about hurting themselves or killing themselves. And that was really, really bothersome for me and confusing for me. Cause like I said, um, they didn't, they didn't have abuse. They didn't have, you know, they weren't experiencing neglect from their family. They, they were coming from very good established families and like caring parents, just like us. Like, and they, they would just talk to me about how they just need their phone or their mom grounded them from their phone or, um, like their mom turned their data off at 10 PM and they just, couldn't bear being bored. They couldn't handle um, feeling that loneliness. And also they couldn't fall asleep. So what we're seeing a lot is, um, and then on top of that, they were wanting some sort of distraction that was easy. And they, they just, the lack of resiliency, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And so what I see a lot with teenagers who have had screens their whole life is like boredom is 
horrible for them. They cannot get through boredom. And the hard thing with boredom is that it is part of life, right? So we are, I mean, even as adults, there are times when, I mean, I know it sounds crazy to say this because as moms, we usually don't get bored, but there are times in our life when you experience boredom. Even if you're doing something, it can still be boring. And so we have to learn how to get through the hard things in life like boredom um, without a screen. And so the big dangers I would say are the inability to connect with others. Mm -hmm. Um, Social anxiety is on the rise, the inability to cope and have resilience and dealing with pressure. You know, once they get a screen, I have a lot of um, clients who got a phone when they were like seven, eight, nine years old and their parents didn't monitor what they were doing on there. And so they would get social media and social media is a whole nother slew of problems that we do not want our kids to take on. They are getting sent pictures from older people that are extremely inappropriate and traumatize them. Um, They're being coerced into doing things through social media. And there's, I mean, one problem after another, I could go on and on and on. Also, pornography is huge. Um, The average age for kids to see porn for the first time is eight years old, um, which is really hard to, to hear that. Um, And it's, we can't deny that it's because we're giving these kids screens and they could easily stumble on something accidentally or on purpose when somebody else shows them that. Wow. Did I answer your question? I feel like I kind of went off. No, you definitely did. Because that's exactly what I wanted you to talk about because I know you're passionate about that. And I know it's a big part of your book. And I think that even though it's really hard for us as listeners to hear, we need to hear it. Because we need to be aware of the stress that like our kids are dealing or, you know, going through and then the way that they are unable to cope when they've just been given instant gratification, even from a young age. And I think, you know, as a mom who like, I'm not hearing this for the first time, but really honestly, like deep talking about it with someone, like I personally feel like, oh, you know, I... I just am letting my children do like educational games or I'm letting them do like draw with me or my daughter really loves to like learn how to dance. And so she watches like YouTube videos about dancing. And so it's like, are you saying that even like those types of things can have a similar impact if it's too often? Yeah. So it's hard to find that boundary, right? I struggle with that myself. I know we kind of slip into sometimes like I'll have my iPad out and one of the boys will grab it and open up GarageBand and like play music and make these songs. And I'm like, why would I deprive my child from doing something so creative and so awesome just because it's on technology? So this is what I say um, to kind of help parents find their boundary with that. First of all, every kid is different and you have to be aware of that. Like my oldest son, he's, He's very um, mild-mannered. My second son, he throws tantrums still to this day. And if he has any sort of technology, he cannot handle like the withdrawal after. No matter what we do on our computers or our phones or our tablets, unless it's 
true work, like writing or responding to emails, we are experiencing that dopamine. And so it is like an addiction to a drug or to gambling. And so what you see, and I know all of you guys have experienced this, when you take away the iPad, you usually experience some sort of tantrum or backlash or um, something. And then they've got this mood for like hours, right? And so it's hard to know what's okay and what's not. So first and foremost, you have to kind of you know, weigh out each of your kids and what they can handle. Now in our house, just because my oldest can handle it better doesn't necessarily mean I give it to him more. One, that will shake up his brothers, you know, um, and two, it's not necessarily that he needs it. So this is what I say. In a time of boredom or distress, you don't allow screens for your kid because you want them to learn to be creative You want them to learn to struggle a little bit and get through whatever emotional distress they're feeling. So instead, this is on us as parents, instead of just handing them the phone or the iPad because they're crying or throwing a fit, we have to struggle. We have to sit in our own discomfort of watching them struggle a little bit to get through that so that they can learn how to cope properly. Now, the educational stuff, I know that that's, that can be really great for our kids. I'm not against it. So my other rule that I say is if it's not productive or beneficial, like truly beneficial for their development and their well-being, then no screens. So no YouTube videos of just random things, you know, but like your daughter doing dance stuff and watching a YouTube video to learn a dance move. I think that's beautiful and amazing. And she's truly benefiting from that and being productive. But what I would say is to balance that with her coming up with her own dance moves or her trying to come up with her own routine without YouTube. So you kind of have to have your own guidelines within your own house. Um, For us, we don't have any screens except for the TV and that's just our personal preference because it, it makes things a little bit easier so that there's no expectation for a screen and no habit for a screen because that happens a lot too when our kids really want it and you know we give it to them for what an hour one day and then they ask about it every day for the next like five weeks you know and we just chose not to have it really as an option at all um, we do occasionally get out the Nintendo Switch um, very rarely, like every like couple months, they will have to earn Nintendo Switch time. And by earn, I mean, they just have to clean up the house. And then we have like a plan in place. Like if you're not the one playing Nintendo, what are you going to do to balance your time? And so they they usually respond with, I'll read a book or I'll work on a puzzle or I'll go out and play until it's my turn go outside and play. Um, so that's just kind of how we sit with that and how we have figured out that balance, but you kind of have to experiment and go, you know, and see which kid can handle what and, and how much you want to deal with. I know as moms, a lot of times it's easier for us to just hand over the screen, but for me, at least the, um, the consequence of dealing with the tantrums after was not worth it. And so that's how I came to that. But then also the long-term effects um, really helped me make that decision just to get rid of screens completely. 
Yeah, that totally makes sense. So I have another question. I know that a lot of the listeners, especially me, like really like tangible steps. Like, I mean, I don't know if you can offer this, but can you give maybe like a guideline to parents that are listening of like, what would be an appropriate amount of screen time? How often? I know you said first you have to like know your child Mm -hmm. and then, you know, maybe even weave this into your answer also to like, what if you have children who are addicted to screens and you, and you know that, like, how can you first start to like pull back on that? Do you just cold Turkey, take it away? Do you just lessen the time? Do you replace it? I know I just asked multiple questions, but they all kind of are the same thing. Well, I'll answer it the best I can. And then if I don't answer something, just remind me. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So if your child is pretty young, I would say mm, six and under, maybe seven and under, I would just take it away cold turkey. They can handle it. You might get some pushback for like a couple of days, but then after a while, you'll see that they don't notice it as much anymore. It's not part of their daily lifestyle anymore. If they're older than that and they really truly are addicted, um, you're going to have to sit down and have some talks with them first to help prepare what's going to happen and plan out what is going to work for you and your family. And I like this in general anyway, because we want our kids, no matter how old they are, to feel like they are part of the decision and part of the family and they're contributing, not just being told what to do. And so if you have older kids or teenagers and you just take it away from them or you start turning their phone off and you don't even let them know that that's going to happen, then you're going to get a lot of pushback from them and they're going to feel disrespected. And so we don't want to do that. But um, I would say with older kids, have these talks with them of like, Hey, I just listened to this podcast and it kind of scared me a little bit. And I want to know your, you know, your thoughts on it. I will tell you 100% of my clients, adolescents, teenagers, young adults, little kids, they agree with everything I say when I say it in a certain way of like, well, what do you think about like your phone use and how it might be affecting your your anxiety or your moods. And they, without a doubt are like, Oh, I hate this thing. I wish my parents never gave it to me. Like I am obsessed with it and I know it's bad and I don't know what to do. And you know, another thing to think about is I'm sorry, I'm totally like going off, but um, the amount of sleep that our kids get is so, 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 so important. And these screens keep our kids up and not just because they're on them and addicted to them, but also because the blue light behind the screen stops melatonin from being produced and releasing in our brain. So I have clients who are like, I tried to fall asleep. I took my melatonin gummies and I couldn't fall asleep. So I just stayed on my phone till four in the morning. And I'm like, well, you totally canceled out those melatonin gummies because the screens are stopping our brains from producing melatonin completely. And so if our kids are not getting good sleep, they are terrors, right? (laughs) I mean, if anyone doesn't get good sleep, right? Right. And so um, we have to encourage our kids with that. And so that might even be a good place to start. If you have an older kid, that might be a good place to start and say, hey, 
I just listened to this podcast. I had no idea that this could even happen, but research shows that it keeps us from sleeping. And our goal is to help you sleep every single night so you get a restful sleep so you can be the best version of yourself every morning. And so we're going to start shutting your phone down, you know, starting at this time every evening, and we'll put it back on at this time every morning. And that's just a good place to start. But I would build up to finding more balance. The key is finding balance with your older kids, with their screens to not be on it all the time and to be more present with wherever they are um, socially or even at home. But then also as parents, we have to model that behavior. And I know that that can be really, really hard for us to do because we're not always on our phone just playing games. We're on our phones, you know, checking emails and getting back to people that we need to communicate with. And so this is what I tell parents about that because I hear a lot of my clients and people I've talked to through the years say, you know, my mom is such a hypocrite. She tells me to get off my phone, but she's on her phone all the time. Or, um, you know, parents who recognize, and I've been guilty of this too, of my kids being like, mom, get off your phone. You're on your phone. And when we're on our phone and not paying attention to our kids or not being present with our kids, we're really signaling to them, like, you're not that important to me. This is more important. So what I tell parents is don't do any of that mindless scrolling until you're not with your kids. If you're not with your kids and you want to play Candy Crush or you want to browse Facebook, go for it. But around your kids, if you have to get on your phone, just narrate what you're doing. I'll never forget one of my sons came to me and said, Mom, are we going to that birthday party this afternoon? And while he's standing there, all these questions came to myself or all these thoughts came to my head like, I forgot about the birthday party. We have to get a birthday gift. Let me see what the weather is going to look like. Oh, where's that email? So I can find the evite to find out where we're going and see how far away it is. And all of this, like, I'm looking through my phone and he's right there. And he's like, mom, I asked you a question. I'm like, oh, right, buddy. But I'm figuring out the answer for it. But I, he had no idea that that's what I was doing. So I started narrating what I do on my phone. Like, oh, I wonder what the weather's going to be today. Let me check on my phone on the weather app to see what the weather's going to be like today. So it's a great way to teach our kids why we use our phones and that we're not ignoring them when they're around. Um, okay. So, but back to the original question, I'm sorry. I think you answered them all. Did I? Well, I don't feel like I gave like a step-by-step thing. I think when, like I used to say all the time that there's exceptions with little kids. Like if you're going to go on an airplane, um, go ahead and bring the iPad. But now I'm more about no exceptions because the minute you take it out, you know, you're just exposing them to needing the iPad or the phone um, and kind of feeding that bad habit. So it, it is very similar to gambling or drug use. And so if someone struggles with gambling, you're not going to let them have it just so you can go to jail. Yeah. You know? um, right. You're going to make sure that they don't fall into that again. Um, And I know that that's really, really, really hard for parents to hear because it has created a very convenient and easy lifestyle for us as parents. It really, really has. I have four young boys and I'm not going to lie. There have been times when I'm like, 
oh, I kind of wish that we had screens because I need a little bit of peace and quiet right now. But the truth of the matter is, is they're only young for so long. I know everyone says that, but it's so true. And these years go by so fast and it, you might as well have this time with them that's true connection and being present than them being zombies and like zoned in on their screen. Totally. That is really important. So thank you so much. I would love for you if you if you have a quick thought about this or a few thoughts, what are some like replacements for this? So like when parents are trying to, you know, not hand the phone out of distress mm-hmm. or out of like keeping their children busy, like what are some alternatives that have worked for you and your children? Yeah. I think that would be really helpful for the listeners to hear. Absolutely. So we came up with, well, my oldest son came up with something that he calls the board game and he came up with it from being bored and he was playing with some Legos and made one of them into like a spinning top type thing. And he had written out six different options of things that he wanted to do when he was bored and he would spin it. And the rule was you had to go do it for at least five minutes, whether you wanted to or not. Um, And he always ended up doing it way longer than five minutes. But so we actually made it like a family thing where, you know, everyone could put in their ideas, read a book, build Legos, color, go jump on the trampoline um, play with the dog. Um, what are some other ones that he likes? Help mom. I like that one. Um, <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. Um, work on a puzzle, write a story. Um, I have, you know, having all boys, they love comic books. So they're like, write a comic book. And I think those are the main ones. But what I have each of my boys do is I have them write out a list and I ask them these three questions. I say, what do you like to do for fun? And they make a list of those riding bikes, you know, chalkboard or uh, sidewalk chalk, jump on the trampoline, that sort of thing. What do you like to do that's relaxing? And a lot of times the relaxing one does include, you know, watching a movie, snuggling on the couch, you know, things like that. So there is somewhat of screen use for TV, but that's okay in our family. So, um, and then the third question I ask is what do you do when you're mad or when you get upset? And so these three questions helps our kids create what I call their self-care coping list. And also it's perfect for when they're bored. So each of my boys have their own list and anytime they come to me, so they've learned not to use the word bored. (laughs) So they come to me and they go, mom, what can I do fun? (laughs) And especially over quarantine, you know, I heard that a lot. And I, I always say, that's on you, buddy. You can do anything from your list or come up with a new idea and come, come tell me what it is and let's figure out how to do it. So I'm not that mom that's super, super crafty with my kids or like loves to get messy. I like, I don't allow paint or glitter in my house (laughs) Um, (laughs) or even Play-Doh. So they have occasionally, like if they're home from school or whatever, it's like a holiday, I will allow for the messy crafts, you know, but for the most part, they come up with their own stuff and it's, it's real easy stuff. And a lot of times it's Legos and reading books. So you kind of have to allow them to get creative. And the best thing you can do is sit back and let them come up with ideas because you want it, you want them to contribute. And, um, 
and, and go about it that way. Kind of think about when you were a kid. What did you do when you were bored? What did you do when um, over the summer months, you know, and you had nothing to do? You, you know, you got creative and you stayed busy doing what you wanted to do, playing with your toys and that sort of thing. Typically you were, I mean, I don't, I can't speak for everyone, but I don't think as many kids were addicted to video games back then. So, um, so it's in, didn't have screens to lean on. So think about it that way. You know, how did we survive when we were eight years old or four years old and, and how did we get by without screens? That just actually made me think of another question for you. So I feel like so many moms right now would say to that, like, well, but back then, like, mm-hmm. you know, kids could play out in the neighborhood until dark. And like, there wasn't all this worry of like, you know, stranger danger and kidnapping and like all of this like horrible stuff that we're dealing with right now. So like, what can you say to to the moms that are like, well, I just, I can't trust my kids to be outside alone. And, yeah. you know, I can't always be with them outside. Like, um, that, I mean, that is a really hard question because I hear that a lot. Research is showing though, that outside dangers are the lowest that they've ever been. And so, um, our kids are Probably actually compared to the screen dangers, right? Yeah. Well, so yeah, the, our biggest, fear right now should be what they could potentially stumble upon on their screen. And so, you know, there's tons of predators on screens and, and oh, it's really bad and scary. And um, I have tons of stories of really horrible things happening um, to kids within their own home. And so I would say find a way to find balance with that. I don't necessarily let my kids go outside alone all the time because well, I'm fearful of snakes. So (laughs) I don't want you to get bit by a snake. Um, But I, you know, we have rules at our house too. Like you're not allowed to go anywhere past the driveway and things like that. And I open up a window so I can hear them. And I'm, I'm not super busy into something that I can't pay attention to what I'm hearing them doing. But it's actually really good for our kids to experience a little bit of risk taking, not in a, hey, let's go stand in the middle of the street and hope a car doesn't hit us, but in a, let's explore, let's go learn some things. That's how kids learn. And if they don't have that opportunity to go explore and, you know, be outside and get some energy out, I mean, that's huge too, right? Like, I know for my kids, like they need to move their bodies and inside they can't move it the same way as if they were running outside. So you kind of have to figure out how you can find that balance being a mom and allowing them to go outside and what you're comfortable with um, and how you can be outside with them. There's sometimes when I have to get some work done on my computer and I'll just bring it outside with me and I'll sit out there. So I'm right there with them. Um, But yeah, there wasn't. Well, actually, there was a lot of kidnapping and stuff when we were kids. And, and it's, it's interesting that our parents were so, well, I guess it makes sense. Our parents were so laid back about letting us outside all the time because they just were unaware of how bad it was. But that's actually when the, um, crime rates went up for kidnapping. And so now the crime rates are at an all time low and we have to recognize that it must be because our kids are staying inside all the time. Um, I wish that there was a happy medium and a happy balanced answer to this, but there really isn't as long as 
you know, you and your kids can figure out how to make it work. I think that it's good to do that. That makes total sense. So my last question for you is what advice would you give to parents who are thinking about buying their child a phone, a tablet, or a gaming system for Christmas? I mean, I think by now they might, you know, be changing their mind on that. But like, I think like, you know, what advice would you give? What permission could you give them um, to maybe steer them in a different direction? And what alternatives do you recommend? So I, I have a whole like phone plan, quote unquote, phone plan that I talk to parents about, and it depends on how old your child is. But I like to do a gradual build up to the smartphone with our kids. So just like we don't, and I mean, I'm not planning on buying my kid a BMW for their 16th birthday. Um, you know, they have to kind of work towards getting a nice car. That's how I feel about phones as well. And these smartphones, they're not cheap and they're really dangerous for our kids. So why are we giving it to them so young? And so what I talk to parents about is, um, the within, depending on how old your child is, but there's this little walkie talkie called the relay go and it's got GPS on it and you're, you have an app on your phone and they can talk to you through the walkie talkie and it's unlimited range. So it's really cool. So like my seven and nine year old have these walkie talkies and they take it with them to school. They don't ever use them to be completely honest. Sometimes I will use it to see what, like where the bus is at basically like to track them. Um, but the times that they have used it before, you know, pre COVID they would use it. If they went to their friend's house, then then they had a way to communicate with me and let me know they were ready for me to pick them up or whatever. So I would start with that because that starts the understanding of this is for communication with mom and dad and you need to, this is your responsibility and you need to take care of it and respond every time mom tries to call you on it. And then the next option is... Um, a phone that does not have internet. So that would be like a flip phone or have you heard of the Gab wireless phone? It looks like, like, it looks like a smartphone, but it has no internet on it. So you can text and call and that's it. We have one here and we actually use it as our house phone. Um, And it's really convenient to have because like my seven year old, it's really cute. He'll call his grandparents almost every afternoon to tell them about their his day and he doesn't have to use my phone for that, you know, and there's no apps that they can download on that phone or anything. So it's, it's a good starter phone for sure. And I suggest that for all kids, no matter how old they are to get the Gab wireless phone before they get a smartphone. And I actually, I have a discount code if, if anybody ever wants it, but, um, and then show notes, if you want to give it to me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give it to you. Oh, also, sorry, let me rewind. Before you give them the Gab wireless phone, I like also the um, watches, like watches that kids can text and call from. So usually yeah, around- My daughter has one of those. Yeah. So those are really great too. As long, I'm a really big fan of staying away from games. So if it's one that can just text and call, like that's perfect because, and so your which one does your daughter have? She has the gizmo through Verizon. Okay. So can you, you only can call like a certain amount of 
phone numbers, right? Yeah. So you yeah. like program in phone numbers. They have to download the app mm-hmm. so that they can um, communicate. And so she can call only those people and then she can text only those people. Yeah. I love that. So I would do that option, that step before the Gab wireless one. And then when they're ready, like when they've, you know, grown up a little bit and they want a phone and you feel comfortable giving them the phone, you can get them the Gab wireless one. And then what I usually say is around 16 is this huge maturity year, usually for teenagers. I don't know why. I don't know if there's science behind it, but it's what I see every single day that once kids turn 16, there's this huge maturity shift. And I think that as long as you've had conversations with them about internet safety and building that internet intelligence, then I am comfortable with them getting smartphones. As long as you have some guidelines and rules set in place of like, you know, what social media you're comfortable with them being on, how much screen time they get a day and that sort of thing. And I know a lot of this sounds like I'm being dramatic or I'm like being too cautious and strict and protective. Um, I never thought I would be labeled that way (laughs) in any way, shape or form as a parent. But when it comes to screens, I am, I am, I'm very protective because I see the, the aftermath of it every single day. And I do not want my kids to ever have suicidal thoughts or see something extremely inappropriate or someone say something horribly, horribly hurtful to them through the internet and it affects them in a traumatic kind of way. And I really want other parents to understand that too, how easy it is for our kids to, to be, be susceptible to that. Wow. wow. And then, okay. So then you, okay, sorry. We were talking about Christmas and then, so with the tablets, I would say, don't even give them one. I'm sorry. I will just say that, you know, I, I will, I will just say, don't even give them a tablet. I wouldn't. Um, and then as far as video games and stuff goes, that's really hard too. I'm not a huge video game fan just because the video games today are literally made to be addictive. And, um, they're just so interactive that it creates a lot of problems within families. Someone really, um, good to follow if you guys want to look more into that and you're interested is screenstrong.com. It's this mom who I actually interviewed on my podcast. She, her son got horribly addicted to video games and basically failed out of college because of it. And she had no idea. She had no idea it was a problem. And then he, you know, moved back home after his first year of college and they had to do this huge like intervention and big change in their family. And they became completely screen free. And it was a game changer for all. I didn't mean to say that pun intended, you know, um, (laughs) it was, but it was, it was a game changer for their entire lifestyle and their family. And now he's super successful. And I think he just graduated from law school and doing great. But, you know, video games are just not what they used to be when we were kids. It's not just Mario, you know, going from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen. It's these whole worlds that, you know, you can just, it's endless. There's always something for them to do. It's not just like a finish a level and go on. 
you know, there's multiple things within a level that it creates that, that addiction. And then they have a hard time socially and it's just, it's just not a good idea. Um, that's just my opinion though. Wow. Thank you so much, Tessa. I have learned so much, literally, like taking so many notes. And I hope that all of the mamas listening, like feel your um, passion and your energy behind this, because I know that you are incredible and you are changing the world one family at a time. Thank you. I hope so. So I feel like we could literally just keep talking for hours because I'm learning so much and I love all of your information. Um, And I'll definitely be having you back on the show. Um, But in the meantime, share with everyone where they can connect with you. How can they work with you? How can they listen to your podcast? Where can they get your book? All the things. Okay. So my book is called For the Sake of Our Youth and it's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And then my podcast has the same name for the sake of our youth. And I started my podcast so that I could literally read my book. And so like for people who want, want an audio version for free, but I ended up just talking a lot too. (laughs) (laughs) I read a little bit and then I expand in conversation form. And then I've had a couple guests too. So, um, you can listen to that on all the places that you get podcasts, you know, Apple and Spotify and all that. And then I do a lot of, um, sharing of information on Instagram and my handle is at the mom therapist. And yeah, and you can find me on Facebook at Tessa Stucky LPC, or you could always just go to my website where all of this is there and it's www.tessastucky.com. That's awesome. Do you provide any like virtual counseling sessions for people who are not local to your area? So technically, ethically, I'm not allowed to um, counsel anyone outside of the state of Texas. Okay. I'm not licensed in their state, but I do in Texas. I do that if it works with schedules and stuff like that. I, I, before COVID, I was giving presentations and, you know, going all over the place to speak to schools and parents and churches and stuff. And I'm hoping to pick that back up soon because I love doing that. But, um, so yeah. That's great. Well, thank you so much again, Tessa. I have enjoyed this so much and I can't wait to connect with you again. Thank you. Wow, mamas. That was an incredible conversation, was it not? I am still hanging on every word that she said and I will definitely be making some changes. Now, I wanted to share with you something that I was speaking with Tessa about off air, and I wish I had recorded it. But I asked her this question about my daughter. So my daughter is nine years old. And last year, she saved up $120 and bought herself a tablet. And so I was asking Tessa, what do I do now that she has this tablet? Like, how do I take it away? How do I have the conversation with her? What what do I do? So Tessa recommended to me that I have a conversation with Scarlett and let her know that it was my fault, that I was unaware of how impactful the screen was and how dangerous it is for the developing health of her brain and all of the different things that she mentioned in the episode today, like just have a conversation with 
my daughter about it. And I just thought it was such a cool kind of moment. And I wanted to share it with you guys. So if you have a young child or a teen or something right now, have that conversation with them and just let them know why it's so important that they do other things aside from the screen. So I wanted to share that with you. I thought that was really great. It is my hope that you take what you've learned here today and if you need to, that you make some changes as well. Because as you know, I am all about taking action. So just hearing this information, it's not enough. We have to make a change and we have to help Tessa spread the word about this incredibly dangerous epidemic. If you have enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to take a screenshot of it, share it out on your Instagram stories and tag me at the purpose gathering and Tessa at the mom therapist so that more mamas can be aware of this screen addiction and how they can help set their children up for success in a world saturated with the instant gratification of screens. As always, Mama, I am here rooting for you, and you are not alone on this journey. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Purpose Gathering Podcast. As we end our time together, remember that you were created for more. You were created to thrive with purpose and not just survive. So go out there and live your life with confidence and courage. For more resources and to become a part of our amazing online community and connect with like-minded mompreneurs, head to thepurposegathering.com resources. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to subscribe to the show and leave me a review on iTunes. Each review is so valuable to me and helps more mamas like you find the show. I'm so proud of you for listening and investing in your future. Together, let's link arms and make a lasting positive impact on our families and communities. You've got this, girl, and I can't wait until next time.